Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the Festival of the Coming of the Holy Spirit, the Day of Pentecost. Our series theme uh, throughout the Easter season has been victorious, and we're actually going to extend it one more Sunday to the Day of Pentecost. The victorious theme has tied together the scriptures we've been hearing throughout the Easter season, Easter season each of which has pointed in one way or another, to the victory that Jesus has won for us. Victorious over death, victorious over sin, victoriously leading and guiding us as our shepherd, as our ascended king. And we've been celebrating the fact that his victory is our victory. We too march victorious. Even as we bear his cross, we march victorious through this life and into eternity. And so we're extending the theme one more week. The victorious theme for this festival of Pentecost is the spirit marches victorious through the word. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. And with me today, as they've been throughout this Easter season, uh, Pastor Caleb Kerbis of Living Savior Lutheran Church in Asheville, North Carolina, and Pastor Paul Zell, who serves Living Savior's other campus in Hendersonville, North Carolina. So, Caleb, could you get us started today by offering uh, just a few thoughts, a few comments on the day's theme, the Spirit marches victorious through the Word? Yeah, so quite similar to the ascension of our Savior, it can seem like Jesus leaving this world leaves us with a little bit something missing and maybe even something less. Um, and so as with his ascension, we actually see that Jesus' powers doesn't become less or, or leave us with something missing. It's expansive in his control for all things and also for the good of the church. But so too now at Pentecost, his, his powerful work is not just expansive um, in his control, but it becomes very focused in the work of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son would be the advocate that would reveal the grace of God in Jesus Christ to the world. And where is his work? And what does he use? It's in the word. So this victory of Jesus doesn't leave us with less or missing. It actually becomes more. Um, and it does become expansive in the, in the work of the church as the spirit marches victorious through the word. Hence, hence the theme. Yeah, yeah. So not, it's not Jesus going away and leaving us. Uh, it's rather Jesus ascending to rule and now ascending the spirit, yeah. Uh, grace upon grace, right? Um, Paul, let's go to you next. As you've been doing throughout the season, can you give us a summary of the scripture readings appointed for today? Yeah, the, the prayer of the day for this Sunday. Almighty God, your Son, our Savior, was taken up in glory and intercedes for us at your right hand. And this telling phrase, then, through your living and abiding word, Give us hearts to know him and faith to follow where he has gone. So emphasis in the prayer on the Lord working through his living and abiding word. The first reading is the, the Tower of, some say Babel, I prefer Babel account, uh, where boastful words were being spoken by those who gathered on that plane. They were going to make a name for themselves uh, build this incredible tower, and the Lord used words or languages to scatter them throughout the face of the whole earth as a, 
not only teaching them a hard lesson, but ultimately a a blessing for themselves that they would not look to themselves for their name or reputation, but as the Lord would continue to come through his word, that they would look to to the Lord. The second reading, it's Pentecost Sunday, so it's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, the, 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 the great um, attention-gathering, crowd-gathering miracles of the sound of the rushing wind and the tongues of fire, but, and, and the language is given, but especially the word spoken by the, uh, the, the, the disciples, the followers of, of the Lord Jesus. Fulfillment of the prophet Joel, Peter preaches, that in these last days, I will sp- pour out my spirit on, on all people or all kinds of people, sons and daughters, young and old, male and female, and they will speak the word. And ultimately, the word is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Savior, will be saved. So the Lord undoes Babel with the pouring out of the spirit who works through God's word. The Gospel of the day is the, uh, always the, the, the focal reading, um, and in this case, it's the sermon text that we're concentrating on here. Uh, Jesus speaking to, his, to, to the gathered disciples in the upper room the, the evening that he's soon to be betrayed, which will, of course, lead to cross and resurrection. And He's, it's prefaced with a question in, in chapter 14, verse 22, with Judas, not Iscariot, um, Thaddeus asking, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? It seems that he's thinking, well, if you show yourself to the world, you're going to show your power. You're going to show what, what, um, what you know, the, the strength you have, maybe call on your angels to oppose these that are conspiring against you. Um, and Jesus turns his ears, Thaddeus' ears, and the rest of the disciples back to the word, his teachings. So the anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Uh, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then the words, of course, would also be those of the Holy Spirit. So all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the uh, Paracletus, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So clearly there's that theme of this celebration of, of the Holy Spirit as a is a celebration of the, of the word, uh, the word of Christ taught, the word of, of, of Christ, which is also the word of the Father, as the Holy Spirit does his work in the, in, in the lives and in the hearts and in, in the ears of, of the, the, the people of Christ. So there, there's kind of an introduction to the three lessons with, I guess, um, we'll focus a little more on John 14, 23 to 27. Yeah, this um, brings to mind, uh, this happens every year at at, uh, Pentecost, where just the order of readings is a little unusual in that we hear the Pentecost account, and then every year it's a flashback, right, in the gospel reading, because um, we hear what happened on the day of Pentecost, and then we flash back to the upper room 
to hear something from typically, yeah, John, 14 this year or 15 or 16 sometimes um, about Jesus promising the Holy Spirit the night before he dies on the cross. So, yeah, I, I, it's kind of a, it, it kind of befuddled me for a few years when I r- remember preaching these texts or working with worship plans um, on the day of Pentecost because things seem out of order. But um, after a while, just kind of embrace it. Uh, it. It's get the Pentecost account. And then like in a lot of shows or movies, you kind of flash back to a scene where Jesus talks about the coming of the spirit. And we get that actually a little bit in the, the later weeks of the Easter season too, kind of these foreshadowings of Pentecost those uh, gospel readings from uh, the upper room kind of foreshadow that big event too. Um, Well, let's talk about this text a little bit. Uh, Beautiful words from Jesus, powerful words from Jesus spoken to his disciples. Um, And of course the, the Holy Spirit's activity is something that he highlights here. Um, When you just think about, preaching this text from a perspective of maybe law and gospel. Um, what are some things that uh, you draw out of the text and put before your hearers um, uh, in terms of uh, the, the problem, uh, the sin or the Satan caused problem that's maybe in the backdrop here or maybe explicit in the text sometimes. Um, and then the solution that the gospel presents. Uh, law and gospel thoughts, Caleb? Maybe right at the outset, some the law gospel read right, right at the beginning of the text with um, whether it's the context itself, uh, it, the, the expectation, although there has been a little bit of that already in in the uh, on ascension, the expectation that power is supposed to be manifested in something else, whether or not a preacher would want to bring that up, um, you can and 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 the the very significant fact that God looks, God works through that which seems to be meaningless and seems to be small. Um, namely his word that that might be an angle a preacher might want I, I think it's hard to get around the just those opening words if if anyone loves me he will he will obey my teaching or he will hold on to and observe my word um, so it, it and there there there's a lot of opportunity to is that law or gospel um, yeah I think you could make the case for both that if you if you love me you will hold on to my teaching so let's start with the last part do do i really observe and hold on to his teaching when i analyze when i analyze my life i mean that is a lot of first use um fodder right there um but then even getting further into the whole where that comes from is it comes from a love i mean you you do you you do things for people that they like because you love them um whether it's i i do something i i might get get flowers for my wife because i love her i might you know, take my kids to go get ice cream because I love them and they like that. Um, well, what does it say when I fail to observe my, my savior's word? What does it say about my, my love for him too? So walking down that self-analyzing road is quite humbling, but uh, then you kind of get to the twist of it, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the fact that there is a, that we have this word to begin with, means that we have a father because the father who sent his son also sends the spirit that this word would not just be a condemning word that we must meet and check boxes in order to accomplish but it's a word that is that Mm -hmm. is made our own by the power of the spirit so um there's a there's a little bit of teaching that would be required in that but that might be just right at the outset some some law gospel opportunities for for preachers to analyze yeah great so reflecting on um 
anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Yeah, the opportunities that gives for using the law as a mirror in our lives. Um, yeah, but I like how you brought out, right, the Father uh, who will, uh, who sent the Spirit also sent his Son, um, right, easy way to uh, bring the gospel. Uh, and incidentally, kind of foreshadows Trinity Sunday a little bit too, um, that will be coming up on uh, next week. Um, yeah, other thoughts on bringing out aspects of the gospel or, or malady uh, ideas too. Um, I thought of verse 27 as a powerful uh, gospel verse. Um, of course, that, that folds into the Holy Spirit's, uh, the promise of that in verses 25 and 26. But the concept of peace too, I think is a powerful one and uh, a unique standout aspect of this text we could bring out. Uh, further thoughts on, on law, and, law and gospel in the text? I think this maybe connects to both that verse 27, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what was, what was it that was going through the mind of Judas, not Iscariot, and really the rest of the apostles as he's about to depart and they're hearing him say that and they know that there, you know, this this is nearing the end of his life. It would possibly seem to be, you know, they don't know how that's going to play out. They're troubled because they're they're already overlooking the the marvelous teachings that Jesus had already given them um, in in the course of the time that they followed him. Um, you know, oh, what troubles we bring on ourselves when we're we're turning away from the, the plain, comforting, merciful, forgiving word of the Lord and trying to figure out how, you know, how's, how's, how's God going to show himself now or, 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 what, or even what do I need to do to um, solve this issue or, 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 or deal with that which is troubling so much. It, it's, again, troubles brought on by... Um, a, a disregard for uh, uh, the, the word, um, uh, a lack of appreciation for something. Pastor Kurvis said something that just seems so, so little, so trivial, you know, this little, little mustard th seed thing, why pay attention to that? And yet the Lord is just so gracious here. Um, yeah, the, you, you mentioned, uh, John, the, the peace that he gives us which is not the ultimate letdown of, of worldly peace, but it's a peace that that endures, that that gives to us the the gift of forgiveness and the promise of eternal life, and 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 all that is left as not only speaks to the to to the, the gathered disciples in that upper room, but as he sends the Holy Spirit to teach us his his word, his good word. Yeah, um, yeah. There's so much packed into that uh, that promise of peace, but um, uh, it addresses right what is referred to in the very last sentence: "Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid." Uh, but I like how you mentioned that, Paul. That that's another malady angle. Um, well, what would lead us to being troubled and being afraid? And goes back to what Caleb had referred to: not holding on to the teaching that he has given us letting go of that, uh, 
robs us of peace, um, but Jesus in his grace comes back, gives us that gift of unique peace and promises the spirit too, to, to bring that to us over and over again through his word, um, reinforcing our certainty that we are at peace with him and we can live in peace. Um, how about uh, other ideas related to uh, either appropriation, application, we can lead our listeners to grab hold of and, and take to heart or letting that flow out then into their lives? Caleb? I just want to go back to something that you both said, and you just reiterated, John, that um, that the God's word does give us that peace. And so I think it was a few weeks ago, I can't re recall how many that Pastor Zell mentioned. Sometimes when you when we think of like uh, law, gospel, or malady and cure, um, one way to test whether or not it's working properly is whether or not the cure becomes us or Jesus. You know, if it's a failure to understand is the malady, then the cure can be, we'll just understand better. Well, that doesn't work. Um, and so I like the way that you, you both put it, that when, when it, it, whether it's a lack of appreciation for God's word, um, a lack of holding on to um, his word or observing it the, the way that we should. The cure for that is you just, just is not just believe harder or study more or, or understand better. And, and you see that, like what you both said, the, that it does give peace in, in just some of the simple promises that God makes. Um, every time that God is the subject and he uses the word will, he doesn't say he might or he may. He, he, my father will come to him um, or will love him and we will come to him. The father will send um, right here. You have these promises that literally breathe peace um, without waiting, without hoping, without our, it's not pending on our feelings. Um, so I just think the, the way that you put that before John and Paul really helps underscore that the thing that we might not appreciate according to our, our sin just so happens to be the thing that actually gives us peace that we can't create in and of ourselves, nor can the world give. And therefore it also can't, can't take it away. Um, yeah. 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 I like that thought. It, it is the very thing um, that's right there that we so often uh, neglect or don't fully grasp. Uh, it's that word that's right there giving us peace. And that's evidence of the father's grace too, that he, keeps giving that to us and uh, through his spirit, bringing that word right to us and uh, to our minds and hearts. Um, Paul? I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'll tag on to the very last thing that you said. Um, things that I identified, so we, we've been in, in the, the gospel according to St. John a number of times now during the Easter season. Things that are different here would be at the end of verse 23. Uh, we, we, as in my father and I, his son, will come to them and, and, and NIV has make our home with them. Uh, the, the Greek is manain par auto poi esamatha. So manain, make our dwelling with them, which is, it's a little bit different. So it's, for instance, early in this chapter, in my, in my father's house are many rooms. There, there's that word mane again. Um, but there I will come and I will take you to that place. Here is, love that expression. It's all grace upon grace. He will come to us with his word, uh, both father and son, and, and dwell with us and 
and, and love us. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us as the, the, the other unique word, of course, is parakletus, the, the paraclete, the, the one who helps us, stands at our side. So that is, um, you know, there's other scripture that says the Lord takes us to him, but here he comes to us by his word. Uh, who, who could possibly deserve something like that? You know, or, or maybe kind of, is, he's not calling on you to work your way into this, but actually he comes to the, to, to the often forgetful and, and foolishly troubled sinner to, to dwell with us. That, that's just a, a, a really nifty expression at the end of verse 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, does not wait for us to go to him or work our way to him, but he comes to us, the Father and the Son. Yeah, make their dwelling with us. Um, yeah, and yeah, and I, I think that's, yeah, as you said, Paul, kind of a unique uh, gospel expression, something that we find in this text. We don't find a, a lot of other places, maybe a similar thought, but might be something to consider. Uh, emphasizing in a sermon on this text. Um, any uh, illustrations that come to mind or ways that you have gone about preaching um, different parts of this text? Um, some of the vivid pictures that are here. Uh, we just talked about the father and the son making their home with us through, through the word. Um, peace Unlike what the world gives is another one that I've often brought out, I think, when I've worked with this text. Um, any ideas for bringing across some of the richness of those pictures or others that you see in the text? Illustrations that you've used, maybe, or that, that come to mind? Caleb? One illustration that comes to mind is that with um, the, the Father and the Son coming to, coming to dwell with us and the work of the Spirit being an advocate and that there's this this piece, um, we're talking about a lot of um, ethereal things, a lot of intangible concepts. And so um, maybe it would, it, it would behoove the preacher to try and think of something that is more concrete or tangible. Um, I think of an, an illustration, like maybe a sports analogy, one that came to mind when I was thinking about this text is when we think about an athlete that has the intangibles or, or how recruiters for college, well, college sports will, will look for those players that aren't just the biggest or the fastest or the strongest that, but that have certain intangible aspects because they know that that makes, makes a, a tangible difference in the end. Well, the spirit in and of itself is by definition in, intangible. And yet what is, what does he do? This, this whole coming to make home in, in this piece, it really kind of enables the preacher, especially the Lutheran preacher to, to, to point to the word. And this is the day where we get to do some of that teaching. It's, it's not just this intangible feeling. It's not just this intangible work. Where do you, where do you go to find it? This is all right here in the word and uh, do not shy away from that on a, on a day when really we, we can be proud to be Lutheran, not because that's something to our own glory, but because we know it leads people to the grace of, of God in, in the word. And that's, that's where they just like us find, find our comfort. So that's maybe a way of, of going about it. Um, yeah, the intangible Holy Spirit, uh, but yet very active through the word and in concrete ways, the, the spirit present where he has promised to be through the word. Um, yeah, and that's 
hence the theme for the day, right? The, the spirit marches victorious through the word. So emphasizing that. Yeah, but I like how you said it, Caleb. It, it's making something that's kind of abstract, more concrete. And yeah, I think that's what Jesus is doing here too. The, the spirit um, wanting us to know that the spirit's work is, uh, it's real, it's here, it's for us and within us. Great. Um, Paul? Along the same lines, the um, what what are what does he come to? What what does the Holy Spirit teach you when he comes to you to um, to actually voice and express particular promises that the Lord makes to you? Um, uh, when, when I preached on this recently, it was uh, I, I took a parable and he said this, and I explained the parable. This the Holy Spirit is actually coming to you with this particular parable. Mm -hmm. So again, to that, that idea of it could be rather abstract when well, he comes to you by his word, but how does he do that? Or uh, he comes, the Father, Son, and Spirit come and dwell with you in, in the word of, of baptism connected with the water. Well, what's that? That's this the, the Lord coming to you with the forgiveness of all your sins and coming to you putting his name on you, that you belong to him forever. So to, to, to get it, um, I, I, I do remember as a younger preacher thinking, yeah, that probably all sounded like law because I was telling people to, yeah, he comes to you with his word or it's just kind of, you know, like, like in a classroom. But what does he come and teach you? What does he come and remind you? Here's this, here's this. <laughs> and yeah, maybe have a series of, of, of gospel gems, sacramental gems, um, that I, I, I think that's illustration, but maybe it's also application of this too. Yeah. No, I think that does make it concrete. Yeah. Rather than just saying in the abstract, the spirit comes to us through the word. Yeah. Here's an example of how, um, yeah. Yeah. Great examples of pointing to the sacraments, uh, voicing a parable or even something like, you know, uh, Psalm 23, recalling those words when we're afraid or sad or something like that. Well, that's not just a psychological thing that's going on there. That is God, the Holy Spirit, working through his word so that our hearts are not troubled and we don't have to be afraid. Yeah, that's that's working on that spiritual level, too. Right. Uh, Caleb. And isn't that isn't that such a great way to go about it that, um, as you both noted, that then preaching isn't just preaching about a subject, but mm -hmm. preaching actually becomes the, the thing that you're doing. So it's instead of just talking about what God is doing, kind of like pointing over there, the, the word while you're talking about the things that God is talking about is actually doing the things that God said it will do, right. like, like give peace. And so whether it's a familiar parable, like the, the parable of the the prodigal son, or maybe better named the prodigal father, um, you, whether you think of, of that pe people, then why is it that you find yourself on whichever son you are, maybe both, that there's still a loving father? Um, see, that's, that's the spirit, you know, like, so I, I love the fact that you both brought out, whether it's familiar or maybe even confusing things that th this is exactly um, illustrative of what the Holy Spirit is doing while also preaching that <laughs> exactly what Jesus is saying the spirit is going to do. Yeah, that's a, um... yeah, it would be an application of that, that axiom we have, you know, preach the gospel, don't just preach about the gospel. Uh, we, so you, not only uh, can we preach about the Holy Spirit, which is valuable in and of itself, but we can preach the gospel through which the Holy Spirit is actually working. Um, 
great. Yeah, and Caleb, you said before, you know, this is kind of a Lutheran emphasis, and we can be that uh, we can be okay with embracing uh, our identity as Lutheran preachers too. Um, yeah, but the the belief that um, through the Word, the the living God actually mediates His presence to us. Um, that that's a powerful truth. We're we're imparting more than just information. But we believe that the spirit is working through the word when the word is preached. And uh, yeah, that's kind of in the, the backdrop of this text here. Um, the, the power of the spirit, the teaching, the, the logos of, of Jesus, uh, bringing us peace and uh, bringing us comfort for troubled hearts. Right. Uh, Caleb. And maybe to further that, whether a person's in, um, in, in Baptist country or not, it doesn't take a long time, but in talking to people before you, you get a lot of um, nuances or, or cliche phrases about the spirit being something that's feeling or helping somebody, you know, live their best life or all of the, all of the phrases about the spirit and, and the indwelling. And it's just a, it, it, he becomes nothing more than just this, this puffy feeling of sorts. Um, it doesn't matter where you are that that exists. And um, so maybe maybe a preacher may or may not consider um, not shying away from what we say in the explanation to the third article. I cannot by my own thinking or choosing or hoping or doing or feeling or liking or wanting believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, especially because here he says he and his father, as, as Paul knows, comes to us. So um, doing, doing some teaching and, and how that actually does give us peace and maybe even identifying the pitfalls. And really, if it does depend on me, how can I ever really be at peace? Um, illustrations abound in the, the people who might be on, on their deathbed want, wishing that they could choose more or would have done more um, or obeyed more. And thankfully the word doesn't, is, is declarative from God to us and not our, from our choosing to him. And so maybe, maybe there's some, some room for, for that on a Sunday, which emphasizes the blessing that the Holy Spirit gives mm -hmm. through the word. Definitely, definitely. So we've got these main uh, ideas emerging from the text. Um, of course, the promise of the Holy Spirit is prominent on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the Father and the Son coming to us through his word, um, dwelling with us through his word, the peace that the Son gives uh, through that same working of the Spirit. Um, any ideas uh, for themes that uh, you're thinking of as you preach this text and kind of encapsulate some of those big thoughts in the text? I, <clears throat> I don't know if I ever got this to really sound like a good theme, but um, guys recently out of the seminary will remember you, at some, some, at some point in your study, you may come up with like a propositional statement. What does this text declare? Mm -hmm. And and so I, I, I ended up using this, the, sort of the beginning of the sermon was, uh, what, what does the Holy Spirit do? It's Pentecost Sunday, after all. We read about him in, in, the, in the book of Acts reading and also in the gospel of the day. Uh, a, a statement like this, by sending each of us the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us the peace that comes through his word as he and the Heavenly Father make their home with us. So the, kind of the, the, the direction is, it's, yeah, it's, it's very Trinitarian, of course, but it's also, I think, very textual. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes, he sends them, the Father sends them as well. He gives us peace that comes through his word 
as he and the Heavenly Father make their home with us. So with, with that, I, if you could say maybe the theme is just the very basic, Jesus gives us peace or Jesus gives us his peace. Uh, and the first part that, that comes through his word where my goal is, what's the word? I, I want to say what the word is that he that that the Spirit reminds us of and teaches us, and then the 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 illustration of that, I guess, or you could call it second part, as as uh, the Heavenly Father and His Son make their home with us. So it's all that direction of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit coming to us who are due to our own sin, uh, so often so troubled, comfort from, from above in a sense. Great. Yeah. So the emphasis is squarely on God's work for us um, that comes through so clearly in this text. Uh, Caleb, any ideas for themes or things you're considering or playing with? Yeah, I kind of showed my cards already with the idea of the intangible. So if like, if the Holy Spirit is the intangible, um, then what then just kind of dealing with those two paragraphs is maybe part one and part two working chronologically. Um, the first part would be um, maybe some law gospel about what, obeying his teaching. Um, and but it just so happens that it's through those teachings that we have the word and God comes to make his home with us. So I, I, there, there's that gospel promise that was identified earlier. And the next part would be um, largely about this, this teaching, but it's not just this, this ethereal highfalutin stuff that we can never comprehend. It's, it's through the tangible word that he comes in. It doesn't just give us better brains and better minds, but actually fills our, our hearts to have a, a, not just a piece about the future, but even a piece about the present. So that might be a, a kind of a didactic way of working through the text um, and talking about a, a very intangible thing but that the fact that he uses something that's quite intangible. I, I also kind of wondered if one could take like a kind of an inductive approach with the way that Jesus starts this. Um, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. That kind of raises a whole lot of questions. And so one could kind of, I think, work chronologically through the text in that way, like w wondering how, how it is then that you can know that you stand okay with God. Mm -hmm. um, if he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. Um, well, the way that you can know, and then there's multiple answers for that too. So uh, it's quite intimidating. So maybe a preacher could consider asking a lot of questions at the outset about um, this, is this really what Jesus has in store for the world? Um, is, considering Judas, not Iscariot's question. Um, but that, that might, I haven't thought through that one com completely yet, but I think there's some, there could be some potential there to, if, if, if that's really the case, then based on what I see, um, but then the answers to that, of course, come in the promises about the father's home and the peace that comes from the advocate's work. So, right. A couple options. Yeah. So raising thought provoking questions there yeah, and kind of searching questions uh, that we then answer with uh, the promises given by Jesus here. Uh, the father and the son dwelling with us, the spirit coming, uh, the peace that he gives. Yeah. I think there's something, something there. Great. Um, can I issue, I, Paul, when you quoted the prayer of the day before, I think you might have read the prayer for Easter 7. Oh, okay. Pentecost. My bad. So I think I've got the Pentecost one here. Uh, Please correct me. No, the one you read was great. I just want to make that clear. 
<laughs> you can still pray it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can pray it anytime you want. It's an awesome prayer. Uh, Holy Spirit, God and Lord, come to us this joyful day with your sevenfold gift of grace. Rekindle in our hearts the holy fire of your love, that in a true and living faith we may tell abroad the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Father, one God, now and forever. So I, it might be, the is it the only collect the only prayer of the day that addresses the Holy Spirit, it might be, uh, but fitting on the day of Pentecost, of course, and a lot in that prayer that is reflected, I think, in the, the John reading that we've been talking about, and of course, the, the Pentecost accounts too. Um, so uh, yeah, any final thoughts on John 14, 23 to 27? Great thoughts, hopefully giving a lot of uh, a lot of material for preachers to uh, process and, and think about and maybe incorporate into their sermons. Um, well, uh, Paul and Caleb, uh, thanks for being uh, part of this, this Easter season. It's been a lot of fun for me. Hope it has been for you too. Um, so thank you for that. Thanks for your work. Uh, Paul, yeah, you, you just gave everybody a listen to these podcasts. You got to really listen to the end for the corrections. I think what is that? Uh, pardon the interruption. They always have correct the mistakes at the end. So thanks for fixing that. Obviously, that that prayer fits. I'm a little bit surprised, in fact, the one that I read, which is Easter 7, kind of fits, but Holy Spirit come to us. Wow, that's obviously crafted for these particular readings. So Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, by the way, I love the hymns, uh, Pentecost hymns that go with this day too. Um, just uh, so powerful. And uh, yeah, when Caleb, you were talking about a Lutheran emphasis on um, the, the day of Pentecost, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit through the word. Boy, it shines through in great Pentecost hymns and, and Holy Spirit hymns too. Um, all right, well, uh, we'll let you guys go, but thank you so much for serving this Easter season as we think about the victory Jesus has given to us. And uh, God bless uh, all you, our listeners, as you go about preaching the word and preaching this beautiful gospel of the Spirit's working to bring us the peace of Jesus.